today. I really did. Um, I uh, appreciate all the ones who reached out and, and were praying for us. Um, uh, rumors of my demise were greatly over-exaggerated, but um, I am doing well and so blessed to be back here this morning. Uh, we are in the, the letter of, of Second Peter, and I'd encourage you to turn there as, as we look at our passage today. And as you're turning, I, I want to share with you a quote from Spurgeon. It's one of my favorite quotes that, that he has, and it, it goes like this, defend the Bible. I would as soon defend a lion, unchain it, and it will defend itself. Isn't that an amazing quote? Today we're looking at, at God's Word. And, and no doubt you can look around, we can see in the society and world that we live in, in this day and age, that God's Word is under attack unlike ever before. And as, as I was preparing for this, you know, it's fun, you know, you read things on and off throughout the week and as you prepare. Last night, as I was just sitting there reading different articles, I came across this article, so I had to print it off. It's not even in my notes there, but it was uh, produced uh, July 6, 2022, just a few weeks ago. It's put out by Gallup, and... Um, it caught my attention in light of today's message. The, the heading on it was, Fewer in the U.S. now see the Bible as the literal word of God. I, I could have told you that, but the article stunned me as I read the statistics. Overall, adult Americans at this point, even only 20% even consider the Bible to be God's word. That's 20% of, of, of adults. As I read the article, though, it, my, I was crushed. Because that's overall as, as adults in America, but as you look at the, the evangelical Protestant church, say, Christians, only 58% say that this Bible is the inspired Word of God, but not everything in it is to be taken literally. If you're going to take the Bible literally, then only 25% of Christians, those within the church, one in four people hold that this book, the Bible, is the literal Word of God. And then we look around our nation, we look around our churches, and we wonder why things are as bad as they are. When only one in four believers, and I would even question that honestly, even hold that the Bible is the literal Word of God and it's to be taken literally. That's concerning. It seems as we look around, and, and I'm not even going to go into the world, I'm just going to address the church today. Peter's addressing the church, so I'll address the church. The greater authority today is, is man's opinion. 
or what seems to be going one way or another in the culture in which we live. My heart broke this last week as I was dealing with with one who calls himself a brother in Christ who would not hold to the word of God and went the opposite way in sin. And my heart breaks. Because that's not the opinion of, of him. It's not the opinion of the world in which we live. Therefore, the Bible must be wrong. Rather than going to the scriptures in the church, we hear things like, well, God spoke to me. I I was given a message from the Lord. And if those things line up with God's word, if you have truly taken time to look at God's word, pray and and see what he is saying in his word, and he speaks that way, I, 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 I get that. But often those things come from within where, where it's based on emotion. It's based on the circumstances that crush us or, or put pressure on us from around us. And so we feel this way and we go and say, well, this must be God making me feel this way. That's a concerning, concerning place to be. And pretty soon our emotions, our opinion, the culture becomes the standard rather than the Bible. Church, you have a pastor who holds to this book, the Bible, God's word as the literal word of God. And I believe everything in it, from Genesis to maps. Okay, maybe not the maps. I'll give you the maps, all right? But Genesis to Revelation, this is God's Word. This Bible, it's a book like no other. There is no other book like it. It was written in a span of time, over thirteen to 1,500 years, these passages were written. That is a long time. I can't comprehend that long writing a book. But God's Word spans over thirteen to 1,500 years of writing. It was written in three different languages. Hebrew. Aramaic, Greek, three different languages. I struggle with one. And it's consistent as it gives a, a narrative in and gives poetry. It gives, it gives arguments, various texts throughout. I mean, have you ever read the Bible cover to cover? It's fascinating. All different types of literature there given for us. We even have an entire hymnal. (laughs) Psalms. What an amazing book. Written by over 40 different people with, with all sorts of backgrounds. I mean, we are talking kings, prophets, farmers, fishermen, prisoners, 
different backgrounds, different cultures. Yet as we look at God's word, we see one, one consistent message throughout. It does not contradict itself. And as you look at the pages of Scripture, you see revealed to us what God wanted us to understand. From the very beginning, God promises a Redeemer. Why? Because we are introduced to sin. Man's sin. His separation from God. And God promises a Redeemer. We see that throughout the pages of the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the Redeemer comes, Jesus Christ Himself. God fulfills His promise. And Jesus Christ, we see as a Redeemer, sheds His blood for the sin of man. He dies, He's buried, He rises again to life, and then He goes to heaven, but He leaves a promise that He will once again return. Jesus Christ is coming back. And when he does, he will rule. He was faithful to the first promise. He will be faithful again. And we see that in the pages of Scripture. Peter. Oh, Peter loves, loves the church that he's writing to. He loves these people. And as he writes to them, his heart, you can just, you can hear his heart in these words. Listen and join with me and read along as we look at 2 Peter chapter 1. We'll be in verses 12 through 21. Peter begins this way, Therefore, therefore I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them. And have been established in the truth which is present with you. I consider it right, as long as I am in this earthly dwelling, to stir up, stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent. As also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me, and I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure you will be able to call these things to mind. For we did not follow cleverly devised tales, and we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when... He received honor and glory from God the Father. Such an in utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we with him on this holy mountain. So we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. But know this first of all. That means this is important. That no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. 
For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by, God, by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Wow. Peter here is urging, reminding his readers. Guys, I've already said this. In church, if you have been here for any amount of time, you know that this is a repeat. I will hammer on the fact that God's Word, the Bible, is the literal Word of God. This is not a new message even from me. And Peter is reminding them, listen, this is important. This is the authority. I love that in this, these, the first three verses, three different times he says, remind you, remind you, remind. He is stirring up what they already know. And I want to stir within your hearts and your minds this morning, hopefully what you already know. Peter in the verses prior was, was sharing with them the things that should be added to their faith. Not added for faith. Make that distinction but added to their faith. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, these things should be prevalent in your life. But now he says, you need to remember. You need to be reminded of these things. And as Peter has, has been with these churches, he himself lived out the example of what Jesus Christ taught. He himself was there teaching them, demonstrating them, mentoring them in this. And he wants to remind them again. Notice here, it's important to be reminded. It's important to have someone to remind us. Parents, you are to remind your children. Pastor, you are to remind your people. Teachers, your students, mentors, the ones that you are raising up and mentoring. This is a job, this is something that needs to be reminded that God's Word is the authority. In your home, what is the authority? It's interesting, you may say God's Word. If I asked your children, would they say that? God's Word. And in this church, it's God's Word. Peter is an apostle. He is one who is not only reminding them, but he's giving them Scripture. And he is giving them Scripture in written form so that they can draw to remembrance. It's interesting, those things that I want to remember, I write down. To recall, these are things that you and I are to recall. Peter's, Peter's destiny, his death is imminent. 
whether he knew that through just life circumstances, whether God had told him and said, listen, Peter, you only have just a little while. We know that after Second Peter was written, it wasn't even a year later that he was, he was martyred for his faith. As he's writing these, these words to this letter that will go out to the churches, there's a possibility he's sitting there looking at, at the Colosseum where he will die. He knows that his, his, his death is imminent and he wants them to remember these things. You know what's amazing? Is one day... I won't be your pastor anymore. One day you may move. One day God may move me. I don't know. But there's going to come a day where I will not be the pastor of Grace Bible Church. I am not timeless. But God's word is. Church, whoever stands up here Whoever is your pastor, whoever is your teacher, make sure that they hold to God's Word. I appreciate so much in my absence last week that I was able to call on men in this church to, to cover. I appreciate Travis and his, his wonderful handling of God's Word as he brought to you uh, the passage from Ephesians last week. It blessed my heart. Thank you, Travis. But when men come up here and, and declare God's word, make sure it's God's word and not opinion. Make sure it's the truth. Paul would commend or the, those in, in Berea. Look, at, look with me at, at Acts 17.11. These new believers, they were hearing the message of Paul. Paul of all people. I mean, it wasn't even Pastor Jed up there. This was Paul. And look what it says. Now those were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness. How cool would it be to be a pastor and everybody was just receiving everything with eagerness? I love that. I mean, this is God's word. But listen to what they did examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Oh, in the last two weeks, I've had, I've had several calls from those within our church who are going through God's word, who are looking at things, and they're like, Pastor, I'm seeing this, I'm hearing this, I'm seeing this, I'm hearing this, and, and there was questions there. You have no idea how that thrills my heart. That you are going to God's Word, looking at these things, and, and studying them. Examining to make sure what you hear is true. God has given us His Word written down. I love the way that John starts his Gospel. In the beginning was the Word. What, a, what an amazing name for God. Word, communicator, the one who wanted to communicate with you and me. His love, his holiness, his plan. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we read just a few verses down, and the Word became flesh. Not only has He given us His written Word, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He demonstrated what He had given us in in writing. What a God! What a communicator! And we can have confidence... I appreciate that we can have confidence in God's Word. I appreciate that God does not call you and I to blind faith. In fact, we see it contrary throughout Scripture. Time and time again in the Scriptures, so you will know, so you will know, it is given over and over. God doesn't want blind faith. And as we look at this, Peter shifts in verses 16 to 18, and he goes from using I to we. Did you notice that? I tried to emphasize it. But he says we. He's talking about there's more than just him. He's talking about being an eyewitness. He's talking about the things that he has experienced and heard. And he's saying we. He's talking about the time that they were at the Mount of Transfiguration where the glory of Jesus Christ was seen not only by himself, but but also James and John were there with him. He goes, listen, if you want, and he goes, I encourage you, go talk to these men. They were eyewitnesses. Go talk to the other apostles. We were with him in his ministry on earth. We saw him crucified. We saw him risen. Along with all the other witnesses that saw him alive. And Peter's writing it down so they will not forget. We can have confidence. Peter is is beginning his argument already in chapter 1. Because in chapter 2, and we're going to look at this next week, Peter is warning of false teachers. Warning of false doctrine. The things that will come and tickle our ears. And Peter is saying, listen. The authority of God's word, that's where we go. And the things that we are writing you, you can go. You can check for yourself. They're not fairy tales. They're not myths and legends. Go check it out. It's interesting, Peter's living in a time where, where the gods of, of the people were ones like Hercules and Zeus and many others. These ideas and concepts. And we make up the gods of our time and our day and all of that. But think about it, these are gods created that the people can relate to. That the people conjure up and they're comfortable with. These are gods that don't cause conviction. Peter's saying what we're giving you is from fact. What we're giving you is from evidence. What we're giving you has eyewitnesses. Go check it out. And we can believe God's word with confidence. Paul would warn Timothy, beware, there is coming a time where all people will want is is those things that tickle their ears. Where one in four people in the church even hold to this as God's word. 
I will tell you, you read God's word, you look at what God has instructed for your life and mine, and it's uncomfortable. You cannot read this book and not be convicted. The life that he calls you and I to is hard. In fact, you and I may actually look cuckoo sometimes because nobody responds that way. My wife and I watched a documentary on according to Boone last night. One of the quotes of the German soldiers. No, not the Germans. Well, there was one of them too, but the one who betrayed the family that caused so much death. She wrote a letter to him and said, I forgive you because Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin and your sin, and he has forgiven us, and I have forgiven you. He wrote her back and said, A God who can instill that kind of love in the heart of one who has suffered so greatly, he goes, I want that God. His word calls you and I to respond and live and act different. Yet we continue to make substitutions. Peter says this right here is a light. It's a light in the darkness. You follow this and it gives you light each step of the way. I believe 100% that you can live by God's word. And it is applicable for every life situation. It's not going to say, Jed, you should wear a blue shirt today. But it is going to tell me how I am to deal with one who offends me, one who hurts me, one who is suffering and hurting and lost. How to reach out in grace and love. How to forgive those who are unforgivable. God's word sheds perspective and brings clarity to life's circumstances. Try that for culture. How many times has culture changed in your lifetime? How many times has culture changed in the last three years? Yet God's word remains consistent. Unchanging. God's word, God's will, not man's opinion. Did you notice what what Peter writes in verses twenty and twenty one? Know this first of all. Let me read it for you again. This is important. Know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. 
For no prophecy was ever made by the act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. You look at its counterpart over in Timothy as Paul is writing to this young man. He says, all scripture, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. All scripture. Not part. Now we come to God's word and we pick and choose. We're like, ooh, I like that one. Oh, that one rubs me wrong. I don't like that. All scripture. It says no prophecy was of human will or interpretation. Meaning that the man was moved by God. I appreciate what R.C. Sproul has to say about this. He says, God made it possible for his truth to be communicated in an inspired way while, listen to this, while making use of the backgrounds, personalities, literary styles of various writers. Oh, we see that throughout scripture, do we not? David was a poet. Peter was definitely a fisherman. He was no poet. I mean, nuts and bolts, here it is, take it or leave it, this is how it is. Paul, a lawyer. Oh my goodness, he could argue through a text in an amazing way. Articulate with words. Oh, the heart of John. When you read the Gospel of John, you you feel his heartbeat. For not only his love for Jesus, but Jesus' love for him and you and me. We get that as we read it. He goes on to say, What was overcome or overridden by inspiration was not human personalities, styles, and literary methods, but human tendencies to distort falsehood and error. If I wrote the scriptures, I would not write it that way. Because that makes me feel bad. It doesn't give me the warm fuzzies all the time when I read this. It's convicting. It's hard. It's difficult to live that way. Not hard to understand, in all honesty. It's hard to live out. But if we come to this book, the Bible... Wanting our own opinions, our own preferences. We're going to come to something we don't like. Read through Peter, there's stuff you won't like. You're going to say, you know, that doesn't apply anymore. That's not culturally relevant. I'll tell you this, church, sin has always been sin, no matter what time, no matter what generation, no matter what culture. Sin is sin. And God calls it sin. But we come and we see, and we're like, well, that doesn't, that's really not Scripture. 
And so we choose to pull that portion out. I'll believe the rest, but not this. We come to something else and we're like, hmm. Yeah, that really doesn't fit how I'm living right now. That's, that's really going to be awkward. I'll move this over here. I'll still believe all this, but eh, we'll keep that there. And then we wonder why one in four hold to this. And pretty soon we take God off the throne. We put ourselves on the throne. God's word ceases to be authority. And we become the authority when we pick and choose. And at what point do we question the deity of Jesus Christ? At what point do we question the resurrection? At what point do we challenge the things that God has said are sin and say, well, man doesn't think so? Of course not. Because sin can be really, really, really fun. There, I said it. Sin can be really fun. We don't want it to be called sin, so we set it aside. And we become the authority, not God's Word. I love the song that we teach our children. It's Jesus Loves Me. How many of you know that song? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the... Shocking. At what point do we start questioning God's love? It's in the Bible. You either take all of it or none of it. Because if you're going to take only some of it, then you are the authority and this ceases to be the authority. But if you take all of it, watch out. God is going to work in your life in powerful ways. Peter understood this. If they understood that, yes, Jesus does love them. Why? Because the Bible tells them so. And if they get that and they understand that God's word is authoritative, watch out world. When you believe that, you take 11 men who were running for their lives when Jesus died on the cross who hold that this is God's Word and turn their lives around because of the power of God's Word, the Holy Spirit working in their lives, and they turn the world upside down, declaring Jesus Christ. Watch out, parachute, when a church actually believes everything that God says and they go out and they make a difference in their lives, their workplaces, their neighborhoods, their families. God's word has an impact when you hold on to it 100%. But if you are getting rid of this and getting rid of that, then you become the authority and it ceases. And church, that is not how you and I should live. God's word is the truth. God's word is the inspired word of God. And I wish I had all the time in the world to go and list all of the proofs of this. But you know what, church? You can. Pick up the Bible. Read it. Second Peter is three chapters. How many of you have read through that letter yet? Oh, good. It's an amazing letter. I wonder how many times that church got that letter and they're like, oh, let's, let's read this letter again. Look at how it changes how we live. It 
There's warnings to come next week as Peter looks at the things that are attacking the church. And church, it's no different today. In fact, I would say it's even worse. But you and I are called to handle God's word accurately. I challenge you to be like the Bereans. Look into God's word. Look at what I have shared with you. Look at what we have read and and research. I challenge you, don't be the one in four. Be the one that says, I take this 100%. And if anyone questions why you're doing what you do, because that's my authority. Not the culture I live in. Not whatever's popular. Not even your opinion. It's the word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, you have given us the very words of your heart through men. God, you have given us the complete word of God and we are so grateful for it. My prayer is that if there is any listening or here today that have maybe set aside 1% of it, 2%, 25, 50, whatever. God, they would reevaluate what you have given them. The authority that you have allowed us to hold in our hands. And God, that we would live different. God, thank you that you have made your will clear for us. And that when we forget, we can be reminded by opening up the pages of Scripture. So we thank you. And God, I thank you that we still live in a land where we can preach from your word, where we can read from your word without fear. Oh, may we declare it as well. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.